You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. You could join them for $3 a month at patreon.com to help support the show and to get access to our patron-exclusive episodes of The Whole Church News and pet peeves of our guest concerning the church. 1 Timothy 1, 12-17 reads, I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me. This is St. Paul speaking. Because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I believe mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. St. Paul loves his run-on sentences. (laughs) Joe, how could it help us to maintain church unity? we all remembered just how bad of sinners we really are um it's funny that that this comes up because i literally just got off of a live stream that is about uh that was about unity um (laughs) it, it it would the the bible calls us to um be of the same mission and and you know the the periphery stuff is all gonna look um unique to the individual. I think that's one of the coolest things about biblical unity is it doesn't require us to just be clones of one another, but there's an authentic idea of this is that we are, we are all of the same accord because we are all of the same mission and, and are serving the same purpose, even if we're going about it differently from one another. Yeah. And how might remembering our former selves or where we came from, how might that inform, I don't know, maybe our humility towards one another? You know, I, I, I think it's important to understand that every single one of us has, um, a life before Christ and that every single one of us is subject to things like the law or, or subject to the same, the same necessity for grace and forgiveness that, that because we are loved by the father, that we go out and, and love one another. Hey everybody. Welcome to the whole church podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Noel. And I'm confused about what I'm supposed to do today. Typically, I'm just here to announce the other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. But unfortunately, he's MIA. I wish I could tell you where he was. If I knew, that would be great. But I do not. So we're going to try and do this one without him. But we are joined by a very special guest. Hopefully you remember him. He's been on a few different episodes. We have back with us Joe Day, a home church leader. He was on episode 117 with Will Rose, where we talked about the benefits or downfalls of organized religion. 
He was part of our church offices series, and he was on episode 128 of our first round table of the church discussing deconstruction. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, and if I haven't mentioned it yet, you can listen to Joe's other podcast, Buddy Walk with Jesus, uh, pretty much anywhere there's podcast, right? Yep. Awesome. Well, as you guys know, I like to start our episodes with the truest form of unity and that it's impossible to argue when you're doing this. And that is just being completely silly. When you are silly enough, unity is inevitable. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I'm going to roll with it so that I have an excuse to keep asking these silly questions. Joe, I'll answer first. Let you think about it. In all of media, what is your least favorite train scene or trope that's like train related? Um, if TJ was here, he'd probably complain about the train level on Smash Bros. That's like Zelda because it's a moving map and I do great on it and that makes him angry. But he's not here. My least favorite train trope. I hate when they do those like fight scenes or chase scenes on top of the train. They never are realistic. They never make any sense. That's just not how it works. And it really bothers me. <laughs> Uh, Joe, do you have a least favorite train scene or trope? Yeah, I mean, people are people have a way of being able to walk around trains as if they're not moving, like on the inside of a train. <laughs> yeah, like, and I just feel like that? everybody has like the best uh, balance possible because like trains move, and that's a difficult thing to walk on a moving platform like that. Yeah, as much as I love the old westerns, I, I hate how they do those train scenes. I, I think one of the few movies that I feel like did train stuff scenes right might have been Harry Potter. They sat in their cub. <laughs> wow, that's how it works. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so one thing, Joe, we like to do, and I'm amazed we haven't haven't really done this before. We've asked you some about your story, but we haven't quite asked about your testimony. So we asked about your history with the home church on episode 117 today would you mind sharing us because we found that a good way for church unity is just kind of understand where each other's coming from could you share with us sort of your testimony and how you came to know christ at all uh yeah so um i've experienced the um i grew up in the baptist church when i was a kid um so i experienced what what the relationship side of it looks like and not relationship i've i've seen what the rules and regulations side of it looks like and you know i i in my late teens and early 20s was a part of the church scene because the christians were the ones that weren't allowed to kick me out um, you know, <laughs> it, just being honest. And I, I, I hit this level of faking it that, uh, I, I was fooling myself. I was fooling everybody. Um, and then I realized that there's, it's nothing like there's, there's no actual relationship to any of this. And I don't even know if this is real. And so I walked away entirely. Um, and then about five years ago, um, I, I met Jesus for the first time. I, it was, the, it was my come to Jesus moment and my, my world was changed from that moment on. Hmm. 
I'm going to backpedal just a little bit in that story. You said the church was the place that wasn't allowed to kick you out. Did did it feel welcoming or did it just feel like they weren't going to make you leave? (laughs) If you want, you you know what I mean? Like, was there a welcoming spirit or was it? How did it feel? Um, That. It was it was very much uh, it's a tale it's it's a tale of two worlds because on one hand I had experienced the city on the hill sort of dynamic where it's there's no there is no connection it's all kind of hollow yeah there's greeters and stuff like that but it's not there there's no actual attempt at connection and then after that was the first time that i was introduced to things like kingdom and stuff like that and these these advanced level topics that have a way of of getting neglected because they just don't get talked about because we keep talking about humanistic stuff and we can't get past <laughs> the human side of it and we have to yeah. figure out how to reconcile the human side of it before we actually talk about like spiritual things and things like that and and Little did I know at the time that those things that I was hearing, those those are the things that other people consider like 301, 401 level stuff. And so that side of it was welcoming, even though I didn't, you know, it still had its flaws, but I did not realize what I had on my hands at that point in time because I wasn't actually a Christian. I thought I was, but I wasn't. You know what I mean? And And so that... That is one of those things that uh, I, I think I think it's very hard to paint any of that into a very specific brush because a lot of it was situational to the time and place and me and all of those kinds of things. I'm going to ask a really basic question just out of necessity. <laughs> then I'm going to I have some other things that 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 reminded me of. But first, you said this line of, I thought I was a Christian, but I wasn't. I I feel like it's necessary to ask how that works, right? Like, there's this understanding that to be a Christian, you believe in your heart. That's it. You said it out loud. You believed in your heart. Now you're saved. Uh, Isn't that one of those things like, you know, if you believe or not? That's a very complicated question. Um I think one of the biggest travesties of modern evangelism is this idea that we win souls for Jesus or we have the sinner's prayer. Um, Billy Graham did a lot of, did a lot of really good things. Um, One of the things that one of the, the, the more unfortunate things that Billy Graham did was coin this idea of a sinner's prayer that you pray a sinner's prayer and you are saved and you've checked that box and now you're good. If you don't have, I can say whatever I want. I can sit here and tell you that I am, that I am a Christian. I could sit here and tell myself that I am a Christian. I could sit here and, and check all the box and have all the routines and have all of it. I could literally have all of it and I don't need God for any of it. I, I, with the exception of relationships. And if there is no relationship, if there is no desire to change, if it's not pushing you in some kind of direction, then it's all lip service. Yeah. There's a difference between knowing and believing. And that's, that's part of the issue. And, and, 
I think a lot of these these verses that kind of hover if if you're talking about like authentic salvation and stuff like that, there's like five verses that people usually <laughs> grab for, yeah. and they're usually presented in a way that challenges people's salvation. If you feel like if if you are challenging, if your salvation is challenged by these things, and you need to go and talk to God about that, or if you're presenting this in a way that you purposefully are challenging people's salvation, then you need to go and talk to God about that because that's not the purpose of what the Bible is getting at with doing these things. And, and so when, when you have something like authentic conversion, that, that does not mean that, that, that does not necessarily mean this, I, I, I confessed and now that's it. Like that's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of this that kind of becomes subject to, to human emotionalism and w my feelings of the matter. You know, if you, if you grew up in the, in the, the American youth, Christian youth movement of the two thousands, and that means that you went through um, these different uh, conferences and stuff like that. And these conferences are designed that you go on Friday and you're so full and all of this kind of stuff. And then you go back out and come Monday morning, you hit the brick wall of real life. And it, it's it, all of that emotionalism of it all, all that being fired up, it, it suddenly goes away. Or the, the tank runs dry and it's designed to keep you addicted to to the high of the of the conference and of the moment and things like that and i think sometimes we get caught up in this idea of i don't i don't believe enough or or do i have belief or or anything yeah. like that it's about having a relationship with god and if there is nothing there if it is all surface level if it is all just lip service then yeah that that has implications on the validity of your salvation just being honest i'm gonna drop a quick bomb <laughs> in the middle of this conversation to what you're saying i think a large part of the contributing factor of all this is a misunderstanding and also just a bad use of how we framed this term but it's a biblical literalism where people hear that and they think what you mean is literally just what it says that's not what biblical literalism means. I think we might need a net better term because you come to this point where people, they get to where, no, the Bible says this and I don't need to know anything else. Well, you need to know all the scripture. You can't just say the Bible says this. And when we're talking about the Lord's prayer and these kind of things, a lot of, okay, so some of that comes from uh, Romans 10 and it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And let's say you are saved at that moment. It says you will be. Uh, I'm going to keep reading because there's something that I feel like gets left out a lot. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will not be will never be put to shame. There's this point of trust. There's this point of relationship that Joe's getting at that you can believe, you can know it, but the only reason that that's part of salvation is because typically that's what it looks like when you trust in God. It's not a formula if you do this equals this. That's not the point of that. 
And I don't know, I, I get concerned that people take things too much at face value and we devalue understanding how to read the scripture or studies of the scripture. And I'm, I'm going to criticize one of my heroes growing up. Um, he's still one of my heroes. Love this guy. But my youth pastor, they did something really cool. They, him and one of the other guys went to the shadiest parts of that town where they knew the bad kids hung out basically. And we're just like, Hey, we'll give you food. We'll do this. And they started bringing them to the church. All I knew was that these kids started showing up to youth group. I thought it was cool. One of his main things that he liked to say a lot is that people keep saying that there's this complicated thing, scripture and this idea. And it's really simple. All it is, is you believe you're saved. You believe you're saved. I get where his heart was at, but this is why I think education is important because it's not just that there are other things. There is relationship. There are parts of scripture that are genuinely complicated to understand. Go through the book of Job and see how many different ideas of what that book means are out there. <laughs> it's insane. And I, I think we do a disservice when we bring people in. And even when we're trying to be welcoming like that, if we're not also opening the door to the deeper things and to the relationship aspect of things, of course, there's the other side where people say it's not a religion, it's a relationship. But it, it is both. But you have to have that relationship part. That's that's sort of what you were getting at, right? Yeah, um, we we are we see what pure religion um, looks like in the Bible. It, it says it very, very, very clearly. Um, and in in uh, and I'll quote the the verse. It's it's James one twenty seven. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit. The, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Yeah. Um, again, you, you know, you, you look back, t take it from either, from either perspective, Jesus, when you take it from the, from the new Testament, it's a bit easier to comprehend for a lot of people, but even in the Old Testament, you look at how how Abraham was was described, a man of faith. Understanding what faith is goes a long way in putting the pieces together. Faith is not something that you muster. Faith is not something that you bring to the equation. Faith is something that is bestowed upon you from God. You you when when you are in relationship with god and you have when you have that 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 belief in god that faith to do what he tells you to do is bestowed upon you and that when when we try and subvert the proper the proper means for all of this is when we start to get into things of just, just believe, just believe that's all, all you need to do is just, just believe, just have more faith. And the Bible in its entirety is literally talking about how mankind is incapable of doing that. Yeah. And so when you have something like a relationship, 
that is active and participatory and all of those kinds of things. And it's this idea that this God that we, that we love and we honor and we respect and we fear and all of these things, that God also loves us back. And that's just it. And we, we recently we recorded an episode. I don't think it'll be out yet, but uh, of systematic ecology, where we were talking about the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, part of the Narnia series, and how God loves us. There's really powerful images in that book for that. And, and also, also just throwing out there, Jesus did say that even demons believe. Right. So clearly, there's more to it. Uh, I, I think a lot of the problem comes down to. We have gotten this, I don't know if it's a Western mindset or where this comes from, but we like to compartmentalize everything. Yeah. And you look at people talking about the fruit of the spirit. It's okay. Do you have this fruit, this fruit, this? I'm going to do a seven part series and we're going to talk about each fruit. Uh, no, it's fruit. It's not, these are the fruits of the spirit. It's, these are the fruit of the spirit. And Greek is very intentional. It was not an accident that that was a singular word. Right. And the same thing's true with a lot of this. It's, it's not a coincidence that one place talks about faith, one place talks about relationship, and one talks about religion. Oh, well, we'll treat each one of them separately. No, you have to take it as a whole. Our faith isn't me and God if I believe and he loves me and also me and other people. It's all of that at once, right? <laughs> it's not vertical and horizontal. Like that's We break it down so that we could study it that way, but it's both at the same time. And, right. and I, I feel like we do a disservice when we compartmentalize these things and we try to oversimplify everything instead of just saying, hey, it's complicated. We don't get all of it, but we know these are components. This is what it's all made of. It is one faith. Yeah. Um, and that gets to heart of a lot of the disservices we do to people who are new in the church, who genuinely want to know about it. And it gets a lot to the problems of unity. We don't understand things. I mean, this ignorance that we've allowed to creep up ignorance breeds tribalization, right? I don't know everything. I just know that my tribe's right <laughs> is more or less the mindset we end up getting a lot of the time. And that's what I think is one of the biggest obstacles for church unity. When you have something like terms and definitions and things like that, not to sound like an old man yelling at the clouds, but we live in a time where terms don't matter nearly like they used to. Definitions exist for a reason. And unfortunately, vocabulary is very, very fluid nowadays. And, yeah. and that is part of what my holy discontent is. I, I look at this situation and I, I've hit this point of woe to me if I do not preach the gospel because I understand what that has done to me and I understand what it means in a corporate sense. Mm -hmm. So, but, but either one of those things cheapens, either one of those things individually cheapens the overall conversation. If you have something like, you know, it's all about the individual. No, no, it's not. It's all about the corporate. No, no, it's not. It's hmm. it's both of those things. And when when you have something like the current state of things, like, yeah, when you have when you have something like this, you you don't I'm not I'm not weighed down with years and years of church baggage like some people are. 
I don't have to sit here and comb through, do you mean this or are you this denomination? Are you this group or this sect? I don't care. I don't care. Are you holding the line for truth? That's what I care about. And when when you when you enter into this arena and then by most standard by most standards and measurement you're not qualified because you're not going to seminary because you're not going to this school because you're not a part of this group or what have you and all of those things gain more more uh importance then you're kind of left in this weird position because you still care about people but everybody around you is telling you that you're not qualified to care about people because we've added so much other stuff to the job description of what a pastor is. We've ad- mm-hmm. we've added all of this other crap on top of it. And you know, yeah, it's all fun and games to be the guy that's contrarian and the guy that thinks differently and all of this kind of stuff and and all of that, but that that gets old because really what it is 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 I care about people and I and I care about truth. Yeah, I obviously I think there is value in denominations and all of that. And I find it fascinating to study the different beliefs and all. I think we need to learn how to hold it with a loose hand. I think a lot of people have a very tight grasp on I am Baptist as part of their foundation, as part of their identity, as opposed to I am a Christian. I am a disciple as part of their identity. And that's where I find perspectives like yours outside of this, who doesn't care if you're Baptist or Methodist or whatever. I find that invaluable to the church right now, even though I can appreciate denominations. We have to have people who are shouting the message of it's not about that. Sure, some of that might be helpful, but it's not about that. And holding these other tertiary ideas with a loose grasp of something, I won't just say it's helpful. It's something the church has to have if it doesn't want to die. And part of of that is because this is where I disagree, and this is where I, I I find myself in a weird position, because I find I find myself willing to take the bar the ball further than most will go. The only reason why humans find denominational thinking valuable is because it's a human idea, done and dusted. Because it because it's it's a human perspective thing, so humans will value something that is a human perspective. But if you stand on the side of scripture, then what? Who who cares? Like it 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 holds no value if you stand on the side of scripture. Everything else falls uh, falls secondary to that, and I don't just mean uh, I don't just mean secondary in a relative sense. I mean secondary as far as the east is from the west. I'm talking about being a kingdom citizen, being a Christian, being a follower of God is the identity. Child of God is the identity, not Baptist child of God, not Methodist child of God. If you happen to go to a Methodist church, that's like saying I'm happen to be wearing a, a, a muscle shirt right now, or I happen to be <laughs> wearing a hat, whatever. Okay, so I'm wearing a hat, whatever. That bears nothing, zero impact on anything. It just so happens to be the thing. So, so this is not. Some sometimes this gets equated to some kind of fad or perspective, or like this is weird or unique or something, or something like that. But the reality is, is that we're so busy worrying about each other's 
positions and, and, and respecting denominational thinking and all of those kinds of things that we keep circling the drain on very, very significant things and not getting anywhere because we sit here and placate to the human side of things to such a degree that that truth becomes secondary. Addressing actual things becomes secondary. And it's it's this it's this radical thing to to sit and to and to stand in opposition to something like the American flag being in the sanctuary or something like that. But we miss the fact that real lives are affected by this. This is not fun in games. Standing against this thing isn't fun or cool. Contextualizing truth is one thing, but I don't think that that has to involve denominational thinking. I largely agree, um, especially when it comes to this has to be a secondary thing. Um, the, the, the main reason I find significance in denominations is because we do read scripture differently. When you have two different groups who think you know, scripture says a church should be ran by the deacons, whereas another one says the church scripture says it should be ran by everybody, or scripture says it's ran by a pastor or a bishop. And then you, it's hard to get together in a service when you don't even agree on who should be running it, or when you have one thought of belief that says everything's contingent on Genesis one through three being literal, happening six thousand years ago. If that didn't happen, then Christ means nothing. Well, it is really difficult to sit under someone who's teaching that. If you just don't agree, and I think it's helpful in a sense that you know where everyone stands, but I think it's harmful in the sense that we're getting away from that primary issue you're talking about of our identity is God follower, is disciple. These other things are like what kind of shirt I'm wearing. Let me ask you something. Why is that difficult? If somebody if somebody doesn't if somebody doesn't believe the same creation uh, creation story that you do why why should that be difficult? If they're saying it is contingent upon salvation that I believe that and I do not believe that, then the conversation will never get past. I disagree with them. Yeah, I I missed the I missed the fact that I missed part of what you said. Then I missed the fact that you said that that they were the ones that were saying that it was contingent on on salvation and things like that. I missed that part of it. But yeah, I mean, but but to go off of that, if somebody is saying that anything is contingent on salvation, or that makes makes calls salvation into question or calls God into all of those kinds of things, and that, that's an entirely different issue. We see that anywhere that we look in denominational thinking, man-made mm -hmm. traditions that get added onto the actual core of the thing. Again, hence why denominations are nothing more than I disagree with this, so I'm going to start my own denomination. I just explained what denominations are. Yeah, I, I would add on to it that it's not just I disagree with this. It is the conversation can't go further because of this disagreement. So it's easier to split ways so that both groups can continue to have a conversation. The problem is when we don't go back to have other conversations, when we only leave it at that. This is an argument that's almost happened verbatim in history between Martin Lloyd-Jones and John Stott. Um, Lloyd-Jones wanted to just, hey, let's get rid of all denominations. Everything that's not the gospel, we're just going to get rid of it, start this new church. John Stott kind of argued in favor of denominations. They're both smarter than me. 
So if I had to recommend something for people, maybe check out that argument, read that, study it, study the scriptures they're talking about. I, I do think there is a very valuable argument to be had for just getting rid of denominations. Obviously, that's not where I fall, but I definitely understand that perspective. And I think it's something worth people checking and looking at. Um, <laughs> so, Joe, we, we did kind of miss part of the conversation where discipleship is the key. That is true. Um, as far as if we're going to get past all these things, it, we have to have relationships with each other. When our entire model of church is, do you go hear someone speak? Well, then you have to understand how they, what they mean when they speak. But when it's this relationship over a coffee discipleship stuff you're talking about, that's when we can move past this stuff and really build out the church, really build out unity in Christianity. So how do we start that? How do we start getting people to prioritize discipleship? Um, be willing to that a that's that's easier asked than answered <laughs> yeah but b um you know I, I, part of it is that we need to be willing to thoughtfully ask questions and get answers and be willing to learn from somebody else but we need to be willing to open ourselves up to be able to disciple people that are younger than us or people that are in our lives and things like that and 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 be open to that model of relationship mm -hmm. otherwise it's just it's just a course it's just a title it's just whatever so so it's it's it, it's an entire reforming of how we view relationships yeah so as we change our views of relationships as we change our priorities like that what what exactly would it look like could you walk us through as people start discipling what differences should we expect to see if people actually start doing that more of a corporate cooperation and understanding of of the gospel message you should be seeing the kingdom of god you should be seeing everybody being of the same mission yeah yeah i, I mean honestly you could just read the book of james right <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it's going to look like you, you're helping the widows you're helping the orphans you're feeding people helping the homeless the church is being the church more or less yeah, yeah. it will look like the book it will look more like the book of acts than it will the american church model hmm if you had to pick the biggest difference between the Church of Acts and the American Church today, what would be the biggest singular difference? Uh, one worships an authentic God and one doesn't. Um, one <laughs> one understands community and one doesn't. One understands the mission in a way that's so undefiled and and one is so focused on what do I get out of it or what do I what do I agree with what do I what am I comfortable with in my worship setting and all of those kinds of things one is one is community centric and one is one is commonly me centric and self-centered yeah um, it's amazing 
even just looking at the last couple hundred years, seeing how hymns went from talking about God and him and he and Christ and Savior to how many times it uses the word I and me now. Yep. It's crazy. And, you know, this is one thing. I, I love having Joe on because he always is challenging. <laughs> but part of that challenge is also it makes it really difficult to transition to anything else, right? Like it's such a heavy, heavy, wow, we, we really need to rethink how we do church at all. And it's hard to go from that to, okay, so one thing we like to do is have a God moment segment. <laughs> but that's, we are at that point of the show. So I, I hope you guys truly hear Joe's challenge of think about the need of denominations at all. Um, I still recommend you check out Martin Lloyd-Jones and John Stott's debate. Um, maybe we'll do an episode on that recently. I know Brandon's been reading more about Martin Lloyd-Jones. And really think about who are you discipling? And if you're not discipling people, let this challenge really sink in because that's what the church really is. That is the key to all of this. So, Joe, that being said, we do like to start our end of the show with a God moment. We talk about something God's done for us recently, whether it's a blessing, challenge, whatever. I'll go first, give you time to think about it. I um, Actually, I'm about to go out to the mountains. Uh, my dad and my mom and my brother and his wife and me and my wife are going to be out for the weekend to celebrate Father's Day. And it's just crazy that my brother's married. I'm married in it's like the family coming together and it's a huge get together. And it's so weird to me that those times are becoming rarer and rarer as time goes along. And it's just, it's nice. It's a blessing to be able to get to do that. Joe, did you have a God moment for us? Yeah. Um, a God moment is what is going on currently. Because there's there's a lot of things in in my heart and in my mind and and I'm I'm trying to get past just this idea of oh that's Joe, he's a contrarian to to getting to the root of why I'm feeling this holy discontentment and starting to unpack more of the implication that that has on my life. Yeah, um, and I hope no one just dismisses it as that. Like, I hope people are hearing this and hearing that Joe's challenges aren't just, he's upset at the church right now, but these are real problems that we have to do something about. And we have to look into actual solutions and not take anything off the table. If the solution is to get rid of denominations, let's, let's talk about that. And um, I hope that really sits with our listeners and something that everybody's willing to think about and pray about. That being said, wrapping this up, if, it, if you enjoyed this episode and Joe's words were challenging to you or you have any thoughts about it, uh, share it with a friend. Get on our Facebook page, comment, let us know what you thought. We'd love to have a conversation with you. We have a Facebook group, the whole church group, and uh, Joe's on there even. So maybe if you post something about this he might be willing to respond to you or will respond to you and we could talk more about these ideas um, we also have another podcast joe and i are both a part of called systematic geekology if you want to check that out you can go to systematicgeekology.org all of our episodes are there you can hit host and you can find me and joe and all the other things that we do on there as well um 
So, yeah. So thank you guys for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Coming up, we're going to have a roundtable discussion about church hurt. Uh, Joe Day will be back for that. We'll also have Father Jonathan Resmini, Brandon Knight, and Pastor Will might be able to make it. We're still not sure about that one, so we'll see. Um, after that, we'll be interviewing uh, J.R. Martin, my godfather. He is a pastor of Somerville Family Worship Center in South Carolina. And uh, he recently wrote a book called Spiritual Hiccups. And we'll be interviewing Trimper Longman III again. He's an Old Testament scholar from Yale University. And uh, he recently released a book, Revelation Through Old Testament Eyes. And of course, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us, even though he doesn't know it. Uh, he'll figure it out, and then he will join us. And then we'll finally end season one so that TJ can stop doing this gimmick and making me do it when he's not here. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Next week, we'll have a roundtable discussion about church hurt with Joe Day, Brandon Knight, Reverend Steve Longclo, Father Jonathan Resmini, and Christian Ashley. Remember, you can support the show for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast.